Hey, if you've got a Bible, 2 Kings chapter 6 is where we're going to be. Part 2 of this series called Stranger Things. We're trying to uh, investigate some of the weird stories in your Old Testament. I'm sure you've read some stories in your Bible. You're like, why is that in there? And so really we're trying to answer two questions uh, during this entire series. Why is that in there? Uh, maybe a better question is, what does this have to do with Jesus? Because we believe that the Bible tells one story, and it's a story of the redemption of mankind through Jesus. And so really we're trying to answer, what does this have to do with Jesus? And, and another question, the question two, is what does this have to do with my life? You know, I think uh, that we need to figure out how God is trying to use whatever we read to change our lives. And so uh, that's, the, uh, that's what the series is all about. Weird Old Testament stories. How do they connect us to Jesus? What do they have to do with uh, your life, where you're at here in 2018? This morning, I want to speak to you on the subject of missing missions and making miracles. It's a lot of M's. Look at your neighbor and say, mmm. Now look at your second choice, your other neighbor, and say, "Mm -mm. (laughs) mm-mm, mm-mm, It's a lot of making, missing, missing missions, making miracles. Let's go. 2 Kings 6, starting in verse 1. One day the group of prophets came to Elisha and told him, As you can see, this place where we meet with you is too small. Let's go down to the Jordan River. I like it already. Where there are plenty of logs, there we can build a new place for us to meet. All right, he told them, go ahead. Please come with us, someone suggested. I will, he said. So he went with them. Uh, How many of you all know manual labor is better with many laborers? He needed some help. Uh, When they arrived at the Jordan, they began cutting down trees. But as one of them was cutting a tree, his axe head fell into the river. Oh, sir, he cried. I would have used a different S word. But he said... (laughs) Oh, sir, I don't know. it was a borrowed axe. Where did it fall? The man of God asked. And when he showed him the place, Elijah cut a stick, threw it into the water at that spot. Then the axe head floated to the surface. Your translation might say it swam to the surface. That's literally what the Hebrew means. Grab it, Elisha said. And the man reached out and grabbed it. And they all lived happily ever after. That's the whole story. I'm like, what? Why is that in there? It goes to something completely different right after that. God, help us discover your word. Thank you for the opportunity just to come and gather in this place. Uh, we've come to hear from you. We believe your spirit is with us. We believe a miracle can happen now because uh, you are in this place with us. Do what only you can do. Open our hearts. Open our eyes. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Change lives today uh, by your power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I don't know when this desire first started welling up in me, but uh, I decided at some point that it would be amazing to have a fireplace. Uh, I don't know if I saw this on a Christmas card or in a movie somewhere or whatever, because none of my family uh, that I know of has a fireplace. I don't remember ever, you know, being around a fireplace as a kid, but there's just something uh, really amazing about the idea of sitting next to a fireplace and opening up a good book and, you know, sipping on some scotch, hot chocolate, sorry. Freudian slip, hot chocolate. And uh, I've just always thought that would be 
amazing to, to have a fireplace. So when Laura and I had the opportunity to move out of our uh, one-bedroom shed that we were renting and kind of make some decisions about what we wanted in a home, I knew that the centerpiece of the home is going to be a fireplace. We had to have a big closet and a fireplace. That's what I needed. I don't know if that makes me a girl or not, but uh, that's what I <laughs> that's what I wanted. Uh, and so... Uh, we were able to do that. The problem with a fireplace, though, is you have to furnish it with firewood, and you have to feed it with firewood. It's not a problem for me. I'm basically, you know, John Bunyan over here, mount, mountain man myself. So, I mean, it was no Paul Bunyan either way. Uh, John would be the theologian who also chopped firewood, but nonetheless, Paul had the ox, so that was helpful. Uh, But no, so we uh, needed some firewood to furnish the fireplace. And um, I got a hot lead on the firewood. Some farmers were cutting down a hedge, and they said that uh, all I had to do was come load it up. They'd cut it in their appropriate lengths. They just wanted it off their property to make room for a field, and so loaded up the family. We're pioneers. We're homesteaders now, so we went out and uh, got all the firewood, put it at the place, and now I needed an axe. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, I don't need a log splitter. I am the log splitter, so... Uh, went to the hardware store and bought a big, beautiful, black axe. Magnificent. And I set out to chop it. Now, keep in mind, uh, never bought an axe before, never uh, held an axe before, uh, never used an axe before, never even seen an axe in person aside from photographs where it's on the stump and at the perfect 45 and the sunset is behind it. Uh, And so I also needed a stump, so I found one of those, Uh, but also needed the axe. And so got the axe, did what anybody would do in my situation, hopped on the YouTube and uh, Googled how to split firewood and uh, found some great videos and helpful tips and uh, went outside and set to chopping. Two hours later, uh, no splitting was occurring. There was no scratching of the logs. There was no uh, breaking. There was only my axe head burying into the, the top of a log. And so a couple hours go by, I come inside and tell Laura, it's going to be a long, hard winter. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it ain't, it's not going to be good for us uh, if this is what we have to do. So got back on the YouTube. There's dudes out there with an axe in each hand. They've set up all these log piles, and they're walking around going, gang, 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 like with one hand, splitting wood like it's no big deal. So I was like, man, I'm 35 years old. I'm going to have a heart attack out here, but I'm going to split some wood. And so I went outside again, so bang! And then the lifted up and the log would be stuck on the edge of my axe head, just buried. I thought, there has got to be something else happening. So I've got a guy. Uh, he's got, he knows firewood. So I called my guy and said, dude, what is happening with a splitting of the firewood. I can't get my firewood to, to split. And he said, well, what kind of axe are you using? I was like, I knew it was a brand issue, right? I mean, 
I'm always telling Laura, don't buy the cheap stuff. Name brand. Nobody likes the great value cream cheese. You know what I'm saying? Like we do Philadelphia in this household. This is what I knew was a brand. He's like, no, not the brand, the style. Like a style, it's an act. I went to the act store, I got an act. I didn't know there's multiple styles. It's too much for me to have to figure out. And he said, yeah, different axes do different things. And he's like, what's the style? I said, the sharp pointy style. Is there another style? He said, yes, one axe, get this, one axe is used for chopping wood, and there's a different axe used for splitting wood. And God brought somebody here this morning to tell them y'all are missing your missions to make a miracle because you're using the wrong tool. Uh, you need to use a different kind of axe. And uh, axes, if you uh, didn't know, are, are used for different purposes. Um, I actually made a list of this when I found out there's a different style of axe. There's um, pickaxes, firemen axes, tomahawks, hatchets, tactical axes, my personal favorite, a battle axe. That sounds amazing. Uh, There's a throwing axe. Um, Apparently, this is a huge deal right now. There's a lot of bars. Even in Wichita has a couple of these where you, instead of throwing darts, they have lanes for throwing axes. Uh, what could go wrong? Beer and throwing axes. You know what I mean? But uh, big, it's a big deal now. Bar is a perfect business plan as, as far as I'm concerned. But there's, actually, go check it out. A couple in Wichita. You can go throw axes. Uh, I went and did some research and, and did that myself. But uh, figure out axes. But uh, Sometimes an axe is placed in the crop. There's superstitious back in the day that if you put the cutting side up in the field, it, uh, it would mean no bad weather. Uh, you could harvest your crop if you placed an axe cutting side up. Uh, also thought to uh, ward off witches if you buried an axe under your windowsill. So that's helpful information, especially be- you know, based on last week's message that you need to ward off a, a witch. Uh, an axe under your bed would ensure male offspring. Uh, Laura came home the other night. I was like, why is there an axe in our room? I, was like, I, don't, I don't know. It's fine. We're, we're married. It's all right. But, uh, it doesn't, my point here is it doesn't matter the type of axe you own if it's misplaced. Uh, it doesn't matter the type of axe you're going to use. If the head is broken off, you know, a, a broken axe does no good. An axe is formed, it's fashioned, it's shaped, it's sharpened for a specific purpose. And what you need to know is that God has formed and fashioned you. He's shaped and sharpened you. He's given you a specific purpose and your purpose is pointless if it's misplaced. And uh, some of you came to church this morning to figure out, well, what is my purpose? I need a little bit of help with that. And I think what this story uh, is giving to us this morning is to help us discover some purpose. Here's what I want you to jot down if you're taking notes. God will help you find what you didn't mean to lose. God's going to help you find what you didn't mean to lose. I think that's one of the reasons the story is recorded for us. Don't know if you've ever lost something. I've lost pretty much everything. You know, I've lost keys. Uh, it turns out they're in my mouth the whole time. Uh, I've lost a cell phone. I lost my cell phone this morning. I was listening to it in uh, the car instead of the radio and uh, needed to make a call. And I was like, where's my phone? And uh, no, I, I had it the whole time. It was playing music. I thought that was the radio. Uh, lost my wallet. 
the other night at home, lost a kid in the house. But I don't know how she she was in the closet, so that that turned out uh, as a win for for us. But uh, I tend to lose some things at the office. I put the keys in the door. Uh, so I don't lose them or forget to lock up as I walk out. But um, one of the other reasons the story is recorded for us is because God cares about what you lose. And God cares about the small details of your life. God did a miracle over a broken axe. And uh, I think it goes to show that God cares about what's happening in your life, even what you would attribute to be something small and meaningless. God cares about those things. And uh, when we put this passage against the backdrop of the entire Bible, remember, we don't want to take anything out of context. We want to know what this passage has to do with the entire Scripture. And one of the things I think this illustrates for us is that uh, when we compare it to the whole Bible, is that God does care, and He wants to help you find what you didn't mean to lose. I'll show you one Scripture that kind of helps put this in perspective. It's Revelation 2.4. It reads, But I have this against you. You have abandoned your first love. You've forsaken your first love. You've walked away from, is another way you can translate, your first love. You've lost that love and feeling. And uh, we need to get it back. Your proverbial spiritual axe is either dull or uh, it's hung up in the shed. There's something necessary to your life that we often neglect. And God wants to help you discover what that is. And according to this, it's your first love. Uh, I would attribute this to your spiritual edge. Uh, Some of you have lost your spiritual edge. If you could be honest with yourself right now and and think about just where you're at spiritually and your life in general and uh, discovering purpose and talking about living a life of destiny, if you could really be honest with yourself, I think uh, you'd, for if you're a Christian, uh, you'd you'd wonder, have I have I lost a little bit of that? Now, some of you would say no, and I would praise God for that. I would thank God and and hallelujah to that. Uh, Do whatever it is, continue doing that, uh, that keeps your spiritual passion high because that's what this Christian life is all about. But I think for many of us in this room this morning, we would say, no, I have, I've kind of lost something. Uh, I need to discover what it is. I need God to help me find it. I need Him to do a miracle in my life. you know, some of you maybe would, would say, I used to have a group of people around me. They would pray for me. They cared for me. We did life together. And uh, with New Anthem, we call these small groups. And we had a small group of people that really encouraged me and cared for me and, and pushed me towards the, thing, uh, the things of the Lord. But, but then I just got busy. And I uh, said I'd, I'd get back to it, and I just never have. Some of you maybe would say, you know, I used to serve a church. I used to have the thrill of being used by God and, and seeing how God was using me to, to change people's lives. And, and uh, I used to do that, but then life got busy and I had to start taking the kids on the weekends. And, uh, you know, I said I'd get back to it and I just never have. And, and now life is just pretty much about me. I'm not serving, you know, really at all. Others of you would say, well, you know, I think my spiritual edge has been lost in prayer. You know, I used to pray all the time and pray and get up early and pray for other people and, and pray for God to move for, for His glory in, in the church and uh, just uh, really get after seeking the face of the Lord. And now, if you're honest, you'd say, I, I don't really pray that much. Um, 
you know, maybe just even at meals, and that's only if somebody's watching, and used to have really intimate fellowship with God, and I've kind of, I've lost that. Others of you might say, well, I used to share my faith. You know, I used to have a lot of friends that didn't know who the Lord was, and I was encouraged by uh, evangelism and, and helping them discover that, you know, there's more to life than, than uh, what you're living in uh, at the workplace. I, I wasn't afraid to talk about God or at school. I wasn't afraid to, to let people know that I was a Christian and, and show them how God had changed my life. But if, again, you're honest, your, your axe head has fallen off. You've, you've lost a little bit of your spiritual passion. Uh, some of you, your standards have just eroded. You, you had these high values. You knew what God asked. You wanted to do these things because it was pleasing to God and, and it gave you joy and uh, some maybe friends or whatever. You, you maybe made some shortcuts. You, you took some wrong turns and now you look at your life and you're like, how did I even end up here? Uh, I, I never in, envisioned that this would be the place that I would, would end up. And, and yet here we are. You've lost your spiritual passion and and the only way that you can get it back is for God to do a miracle in your life. Again, we call this losing our purpose. We, we, we need God to do something on our behalf. The best news I can give you this morning is God is ready, willing, and able to move on your behalf. Do you believe that this morning? That's why I came to church. Uh, because I believe that God can do something. God cares about your life. He cares about how you're living. He cares about getting to know Him, getting to know Him better, and and living in this relationship. And uh, God wants to to help you discover and find what you didn't mean to lose. I've got six questions all taken from this text this morning that I want to ask you to to help you discover your axe head, to help you discover your spiritual purpose, your proverbial spiritual edge. Here's the first one. What's your vision? 2020. I don't need glasses. No, 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 no. What's your, what's your plan for life? What is your perspective? What is your goals? Have you ever asked yourself, where do I want to be in five years? This is vision. Elisha had a vision. Elisha knew that he wanted to train the next generation of spiritual leaders. And he actually started a couple different schools. There's one in Gilgal. There's one in Bethel. There's this one that we read about here in Jericho. And Elisha had a vision for his schools. He wanted his schools to grow. We know just from life experience that healthy things grow. It's why our church should always be growing because healthy things grow. But that's a different message. Uh, Nonetheless, Elisha had a vision for his people. Elisha had a vision for his school. I I like that uh, Moses talks about this in Deuteronomy. He writes, but watch out, be careful never to forget you what you yourself have seen. Uh, this vision that you've seen of God rescuing his people, of God moving on the people's behalf. Do not let these memories escape from your mind as long as you live. And be sure to pass them on to your children and grandchildren. Uh, I would say that if we want long-term change, we've got to change our short-term vision. Uh, you know, you've you got to start planning for the future. You've got to start making decisions based on what tomorrow's going to hold uh, instead of just what you want when you want it. You know, too many people are making decisions for today with no real regard for the implications of their future. I'll say that again because if I see some of you wanting to write it down because it was really good, nobody said amen. But if you want long-term change, we have to change our short-term vision. 
Um, that's what you need to realize moving forward. If you want to change your perspective, if you want to get God's proverbial spiritual edge back into your life, you've got to change uh, how you're living today because uh, you're laying a foundation for tomorrow. Uh, I wrote this quote down. Helen Keller said, The only thing worse than being blind is having sight but not vision. Ooh, right? She would know too. So, um, God, change your vision. Number two, how do you measure success? Well, once you get this vision to, to kind of help discover it, you've got to decide, well, how do I measure success? Uh, retire early? You know, that's most people's version of success. I want to make money. I want to retire early. I'm going to die happy. That's how I would define success. Uh, it's not how God would define success at all. Uh, but many people are unhappy in life because they're discovering that this, uh, you know, making money and retiring early is not quite the best thing in life. Other people are just living uh, to work this job to make this money, but they have no real passion for what it is they're doing. And uh, a lot of it has to do with uh, businesses. Harvard Business Review found that the most businesses' number one objective in defining su- success is profitability. Uh, they want to make a profit. Number two is customer satisfaction, and number three is employees. Well, no wonder employees are disgruntled in their job. If you're placing profits and customer satisfaction over their well-being, I wouldn't want to work in that job either. And so we need to discover how God defines success. And Jesus actually uh, wrote it down for us, or had somebody write it down for him in uh, John 13. He wrote, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, by this love, they're going to know that you're my disciples only if you love one another, you know. God defines success as L-O-V-E. S-U-C-C-E-S-S, that's the way we spell success. Ain't the way how God spells success. It's L-O-V-E. You've got to start loving your neighbor as yourself. It's not about making money. It's not about uh, retiring early. I'll talk about that in just a second. Um, But it's about discovering love. Love for God, love for other people. This is how we define success. How do you live your life so that you can love God more fully and serve His people more fully as well? Which is uh, actually uh, what Elisha did. Elisha said, uh, I'll go help you guys. You know what? He didn't have to do that. He was the owner of the school. And they said, hey, we need some help chopping wood and building this building. Uh, the, the vision is, is too big for us right now, Elisha. We could use some help. And so Elisha defined success as, I'm going to go help you. I'm going to serve alongside you. You know, let that be a lesson to those of you who are uh, owners or business professionals or leaders within your organization, that there's nothing too small or big for you to do, that uh, you can go serve alongside anybody. Uh, Elisha, again, he didn't have to do that. He owned the school. He had three other schools, or two other schools that he had to serve. But he said, no, I I want to help you. I care for you. I care about our long-term success. This is going to be good for us in the long run. I'm going to help you. Question three, how do we turn our vision into a success? You know, how do we make this vision that we are trying to discover, how do we turn this into a success? Um... I like that uh, it was about working hard. 
Uh, it was about chopping wood, stringing it up, piecing it together. Uh, this is how they defined uh, success and making a vision. It was about labor. It was about working hard. You know, I think too often people think this Christian uh, life is just all about the cerebral and thinking and praying and hearing a message and just having these butterflies about God because God is showing up and uh, getting goose pimples or feathers or whatever. I don't know what they call it. Goose dots. I don't know. Uh, but that's what people think of when they think of this Christian life that uh, it's just going to be this amazing high top experience. And what Jesus tells us sometimes is, no, 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 sometimes you got to work. You know, sometimes you got to labor. Uh, sometimes you just got to uh, get after it in a physical capacity. Uh, Paul records this in 2 Thessalonians 3. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling, so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. Right? Uh, I'm nervous for the young people. And in my experience uh, of working with some young folks, there's a few of them that I've encountered as my shop and things like that, uh, coaching, and uh, they don't want to work hard. Uh, they feel like they should have things handed to them. They feel entitled to a lot of things. Uh, this uh, came out in a survey recently of people under age 35, so younger than me. They were asked, at what age should you retire? The number one answer, Steve Harvey, 56. That's what young people think now. Uh, I need to retire at 56. I'm going to work from 22. I'm going to get that VP job right out of college because that's what I went to school for. They're going to pay me six figures up front. I'm going to retire at 56. That's most young people's uh, version of how life should go. So if I could just chat with the young people for a second. Uh, pastor you maybe a little bit. The foundation you're laying right now is what your future home is going to be built on. And uh, if you're laying a foundation on something uh, not produced with hard work, then your future is going to be very grim and bleak and a miserable failure. Uh, You need to put the foundation up in a good spot, start working hard, uh, not expecting things to be handed to you. You need a firm foundation. You know, a lot of you are, are uh, toying around with things. See, the reason you should remain sexually pure and the reason you should want to work hard and the reason you should keep the, the commands of God is because this is what leads you to fullness of life. You know, these boundaries that God has uh, developed are for your benefit. They're not for God's. God does not need boundaries because he, he can't do anything wrong. You can. And so he's set up these boundaries for you. And just like when we built our basement and we poured the foundation, we had these uh, forms that kept the concrete in. This is what the rules in the Bible are all about. These are the forms for you to lay a solid foundation. Uh, that you can build your future house on. There's decisions you're making right now that are going to have drastic implications on your life in the future. 
And you're going to have to have difficult conversations with your spouse about some things that maybe you weren't too proud of. You're going to have to have difficult conversations with maybe your employer because there was that felony, you know, back in the day. Uh, And that's not who you are anymore. Uh, Well, you need to start paying attention to your life right now. Amen, old people. You see what I'm saying? Um, This is what you need to do. You need to make your vision a success. And it's not all about retiring early. Um, I heard it said, average is okay if you're not destined for greatness. And what you need to know is everybody in this room is destined for greatness. How do you say that? Because you're a child of God. You're made in His image. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. And so you need to, to grab a hold of this idea that you've got something great in your future. And you need to see it, start working hard to get towards it and discover what this vision is for your life and define success the right way, the biblical way, and put in the hours and the effort to discover these things. God never promised that He was going to hand something to you just because it's what you wanted. The Bible makes it clear that you need to start working hard. And you might have to uh, you live in the one-bedroom house for a little while. And you might have to share the Shasta coat because you can't afford the real stuff. You know what I'm saying? When you first get married, I mean, that was Laura and I's story. Uh, you, you, we couldn't buy the real stuff. You know, you had to buy the cheap stuff for a little while. And it, there's not, it's entitlement thing is really a really dangerous issue that I'm seeing. But turn the vision into excess. Question number four, because you ask, you know, well, pastor, I'm not seeing this. You know, it's because you weren't prepared for the setback. Uh, that's what we see in the scripture is you've got to be prepared in life for some setbacks. God said life's going to be simple. It's not going to be easy. It's simple because all you got to do is trust in Him for salvation of your soul. But it's not easy because we have real enemies, you, the world, and the devil, uh, that are working and waging this war against you to try and convince you that God's way is not the best way. Uh, a lot of times you make that decision for yourself. Sometimes the world pressures you to make it, and other times it's our enemy, uh, the devil. Uh, but... Uh, what we need to, to realize is that there's some setbacks in life. This man broke his axe. He was working hard. He was doing what he needed uh, to do. You know, he was living for God. How many of you all know that sometimes our enemy, the devil, when you're living for God, wages war because he hates the things of God? You know, Moses lost his temper with the people uh, in the wilderness. Uh, David, you know, tripped out on this dude named Nabal and, and nearly killed him. Uh, there's times here at church where I'm just like, God, you remember we're on your team, right? Like, why is all of this stuff, you know, going wrong when we're trying to, to serve you and, and, you know, help people meet you? But sometimes that's just life. There's setbacks. And what you need to know is sometimes a setback is just got set up you know, for your future. Uh, when you've defined success and you're working towards that and you're, you're staying on the right path, sometimes these setbacks are just God's set up. Uh, and some of you are, are missing your opportunity because you didn't realize that there's going to be some setbacks in life. And what you need to know is that, yes, there are. Uh, did you know that there are 59 commands in the New Testament attached with the words one another? Uh, so serve one another, uh, give to one another, uh, bless one another. Uh, all these have 59 times in the New Testament. Uh, what's ironic about that is what's not 
uh, commanded with one another, one another, like pressure one another, criticize one another, marginalize one another, exclude one another. You know, some of you have lost your spiritual edge because you've been performing the wrong one another's. And you're not uh, doing what God's asked you uh, to do, and it's caused a setback in your life. Galatians 6.10 records this, Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. You know, God's not going to help you uh, find what you didn't mean to lose if you're not willing to participate in what He gave His life to establish the family of God, the church. That's why I'm, I'm so passionate about you discovering your purpose and, and serving, not because I want something from you, because I want something for you. You know, I don't want you to stop doing what you're doing. I want to teach you how to make a ministry out of it so you can serve the Lord. Um, but you've got to understand again that there's going to be some setbacks in this. But again, not every setback is satanic in source. You need to know that. That this man broke his axe head, but he was out there chopping wood, doing what he was supposed to do. And, uh, you know, it just broke. Deuteronomy records that um, uh, when an axe head breaks, there's like some rules you can follow because it broke so much. Uh, you need to know that the devil's not always the one that's, you know, out there trying to get you. I ran out of gas this morning. Darn devil made me get it right. No, that's not what happened. You just ran out of gas. The devil made my cell phone battery. No, uh, you you just forgot to charge your cell phone. Uh, Simple, not easy. They're setbacks, which is why point number five, who do we turn to for help? Jesus. Yes, the answer is always Jesus, but there's more to it than that. Uh, We got to turn to somebody for help. This man broke his axe as a setback. He had to make restitution. Exodus 22 tells us that if you borrow something and and break it, you've got to make restitution. Um, Side note, it's a good learning point for you. Anytime you borrow something, you should treat that better than how you would treat your own stuff. And uh, if you break something, you should, you know, buy the person a new one. If you borrow somebody's car, you should fill it up with gas. Unless they're your parents, that's just part of being a parent, you know. wanted to make sure I said that because I borrowed my dad's truck the other day and didn't fill it up with diesel. Because diesel's like $3 a gallon, you know. I'm like, I can't I'm be doing that. He's got old man money, so he's got to figure that out. <laughs> I'm a... I'm a preacher, man. Come on, you know. Uh, so uh, who are you going to turn to for help? Man broke his axe. He knew Elisha could help. Uh, went to Elisha for help. Uh, here's what I want to, to really make a point on as well. I yelled at the young people for a little while. Old people, it's, it's your turn to, to get preached at. Uh, what I want you to hear me say is you shouldn't retire. You should retool. That's one of the things that Scripture is teaching us here, that uh, your goal shouldn't be to retire at 56. Your goal shouldn't even be to retire at 60. Now, some of you maybe not be able to work in the occupation that you started your life out in, but it's about getting a different kind of axe. Remember, we've been formed, we've been fashioned, we're shaped, we're sharpened, uh, and you just might have to retool your axe. You know, the Bible doesn't ever say anything about retirement. It's not prohibited, uh, but it's not promoted either. Uh, now, one of the people that I know I could turn to for help in 
any given situation, if anything went wrong in life, I know I could pick up the, call, uh, the phone and call this one guy. He's retired. So I'm not, I'm not anti-retirement, but he didn't hang it up. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm, I'm anti-taking the axe out to the shed and being like, you know what, my work here is done. No, 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 no. There's a lot of young people who need to uh, be pastored and, and shaped and molded. And, you know, uh, there's things that your experience can't teach unless you went through the experience. You tracking with that? Uh, there's some things God has allowed you to go, to go through. So people like me, you could t- tell us, you don't have to go through that. Here's where that road leads. Uh, you need to be finding young people. Uh, I'm so nervous for our world today and the, and the number of fatherless homes. I, I, I found crazy statistics. I'm not going to take the time to share them right now, just about what happens without a dad. Uh, but some of you older men, you know, you need to get involved in some young people's life. You know, there's a, there, you need to teach them how to chop wood. Y'all hear? <laughs> like you need to teach them how to, to put a, a hook on a fishing line. You need to teach them how to skin a deer and uh, cook at home and do the dishes and the laundry and serve their wife, right? Uh, and, and she should be a well-watered vine. Like there's in women, you need to be coming alongside the wife and teaching how, how to respect her husband and that there's nothing wrong with developing a home full of love where you love your kids and you love your spouse and you might not have to work outside the home and that's okay and you're going to live a life of modesty for a little while. There's nothing wrong with that. And uh, you should be serving in your local church older people and, and helping out in the nursery or serving donuts or opening doors or whatever it is. That's what I mean by retooling. You're not retiring, you're retooling. You're getting involved, you're changing people's lives. People need to hear the good news, the love of God, that He's there to help them and come alongside them. He wants to change their life, and you're an example of that. You've been married 60 years. How in the world did you do it? You know? I mean, like, that's what we need to hear. You raised teenagers. How did you not, you know, kill them? Like, I... Like, we need to know those types of things. Uh, I read a story this week. Uh, There's a barber in New York City, works full-time. He's 107. Cuts hair noon to 8. Every day except Sunday. What? Still drives himself, still cooks, everything. 107. That's ridiculous. Hope I'm still alive at 70. You know what I'm saying? 107. Who are you going to turn to for help? You need to answer that question. You lost your spiritual edge. You know, who are the, who are the, the saints in the service today that you can go to for some help? Uh, the prophets knew who to go to. Elisha was their help. Question number six. Can you let go of your broken past for your new future? Man had a broken axe. God did a miracle. Said, caused the axe head to swim up. Iron's very expensive in that day. This poor dude's a college kid living on Roman, or, you know, ramen noodle, not ramen noodles, and uh, cinnamon toast crunch all day, every day, and uh, he couldn't afford this. And he had a very bleak future ahead of him. He knew to go to to help. This was a setback. He knew he needed to go to somebody for help. Elisha could help. And God performed a miracle for Elisha, but the trick was he had to drop the old axe handle to reach out and grab the new one. Uh, 
Can you let go of your broken past to, to reach out and grab the new future God is offering to you? Too many people are clinging on to what's happened in their past, and God is saying, you know, I want to change that if you'll just let go of it and reach out towards your new future. We're all broken people. God's offering us a new life. Um, you know, many of you are thinking, where, where did it go? Where did my life go? It's the same question this man asked. You know, if we, we read, read the story, it's the axe head breaks off, it falls in the water. Y'all ever lost something in water before? Uh, it tends to, to make a ripple, right? Um, now, the Jordan River is very rough, and so we maybe could argue that, well, he didn't know where it went in, Elisha, because the, the water was kind of rapid or whatever. Uh, nonetheless, he didn't know. And so he asked the man, where did it go in at? And Elisha came to the spot and threw in the stick. And again, God caused us to, to swim to the top. And he said, now you reach out and pick it up. Why didn't Elisha reach out and pick it up? Because the Jordan River is notoriously muddy and he didn't want to get his flip-flop stuck and break off. You know, that's just the worst, isn't it? And he break the flip-flop and he got to go get a new one. He didn't want to get wet. Uh, no, because this man was still holding on to the old axe head and clinging on to his past. And he's like, you got to drop that and reach out for your new future. It's the same thing God's tried to tell you this morning. You've got to reach out and grab hold of the new future. Uh, in my study, I found this quote, that God's grace can raise the stony iron heart which has sunk into the mud of this earth and raise up affections which are naturally worldly to the things above. You need to know that the soul you're carrying right now, it's on loan from the Lord. And He's not a, a responsible for the liability of its lostness. You are. Just like this man was using a borrowed tool, the Bible makes it clear that you are not your own. You were bought with a price. That price is the blood of Jesus Christ. And so you need to be careful with how you're living your life that's on loan from the Lord. You're, one day you're going to have to answer to God for how, how He gifted you and passioned you and formed you and shaped you and sharpened you. And you're going to have to stand before God and say, here's how I used my life. Here's what I did with the gifts you've given me. And God's ready to perform a miracle in your broken life if you'll just uh, be willing to grab onto it and start serving Him. Amen, somebody. This is what the story means. This is how it connects us to Jesus. Because uh, a man borrowed an axe. You're borrowing your life. This was broken. You're broken. Jesus was broken to perform a miracle, though, in your life and save your soul. Uh, the band's going to come up and play a song as we close, but this is what I want you to remember as we get ready to leave this place. You can't find what you won't admit is lost. If you're not willing to say that, you know what? I have lost, lost a little bit of my spiritual passion. I have lost a, a little bit of what I feel like God has gifted me. I, my marriage isn't the same. My, my parenting isn't the same. My, my future and my career, it, it isn't the same. And if you're not willing to admit that some of those things are lost, God's not going to help you find it. But He wants to. He wants to perform a miracle in your life. It's why He sent His Son to this earth. God wants to help you. He wants to, to not let you miss any more missions. 
He wants you to make some miracles. You've just got to reach out and grab a hold of Jesus Christ. God Almighty, we thank you, we praise you for this time that we've been able to come and gather in this place. Uh, We know that there are um, things happening in people's lives. There's health concerns, there's broken marriages, there's hurting parents, there's jobs that aren't working out, there's people looking for careers, God. We, We know all these things, we're aware of these things, but we also know who you are. We know you're bigger than our problems. We know that you care about the details of our life. I'm just asking you right now to do what only you can do and move on people's behalf. Don't let let them miss any more opportunities to make miracles in other people's lives. Those people that are spiritually, you know, uh, passionate right now, God, just, just give them eyes to see the people that are hurting, even in this room. Help them pray over them, care for them, love them. God, help us know that there are setbacks, but you can do amazing things even in our, in our down times. You can't find what you won't admit is lost. Some of you right now, you're lost. You're not trusting God for the things in this life. As you continue to pray in your own heart, ask God to help you. I just believe that there's somebody in this room this morning who hasn't admit their lostness in their soul and ask God to come in and save their life. I never want you to miss an opportunity to do that, so I would just ask you to to pray along with me in your heart. Say, God, I believe in Jesus. He died for me to help me find what was lost, which is my soul. I believe in you. Thank you for saving me. Help me live for you. God, awaken every heart in this room right now. Help them praise your name because you're worth it. Uh, let them confess their sin right now. To that they're, they're sorry. They they've had a setback, but they're willing to drop this broken axe handle to reach out and grab the new one that you're offering to them right now. We praise you. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, Amen.